What would our community look like if every single Christian in the city of Tucson embraced the journey to consecration? If they would forsake their comfort? If we could turn off our TVs and our things, our games and the things that distract us long enough to sit and hear the way that the city cries out for deliverance, the way the city cries for healing. If we could forsake our entertainment and our comfort long enough, long enough to hear that, it would change us forever. It's not something that I could do on my own or you can do or any one person. I have this heart, this fire inside my belly to see every single Christian, everybody in the city, every single Christian move and operate in the fullness of their spiritual gifting, in the fullness of the spiritual anointing, in the fullness, in the full measure of what the Lord has ordained for each one of us. Our city would be transformed. Yep. We would shake the nations. We would shape this generation. We would make such an imprint on the earth that we, it will be felt for generations to come if we could just embrace this walk to consecration. Consecration to me is the path to purity. Uh, purity is a singleness a oneness of pursuit. And so it is you have you have one pursuit. That's good. One desire. You you are pure in your intentions. Mm -hmm. You know, pure is 100%. Mm -hmm. 100. Th there's no contamination, there's no other agenda. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else. And so to me consecration is the the path of purity. It's just you have one desire. You're after one thing. It's the Lord only the Lord, always the Lord, every time the Lord. And so what he wants and his will. So you surrender your mind, your heart, your will to the will of God. And so you pursue purity. And that's the that's consecration, is the pursuit of purity. It reminds me of this uh, scripture in 2 Timothy 2.21. It says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses, cleanses himself from where is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And it's such an important um, scripture where it talks about we, for God to use us, we have to be set apart. We can't live in the world and live for God at the same time. No, we can't. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Mm -hmm. And so um, this is where... I began, you know, uh, and we've talked uh, a little bit, but you had like a personal journey of consecration starting the year with the fast, the, right? 21-day yeah. fast, and you joined some of your friends and, and Zion yeah. with that. So, yeah, so during the 20, that, this is kind of how like everything that this podcast mm -hmm. topic was being revealed to me. It made me realize how important consecration is. And I had experienced that firsthand during this 21-day fast. I was very sensitive mm -hmm. to the things that are a distraction in my life that will hinder his purpose in my life mm -hmm. or, or it will uh, delay mm -hmm. his purpose in my life. Yes. And I'm reaching to a point where right now I don't want to delay God's calling for my life. Right. And I wanted to be able to say yes to Isaiah 6, 6, 8, send me. Like, I'm here. Right. Here I am. Send right. me. During the fast, so I just, you know, cut off entertainment altogether. 
And, you know, we talk about comfort at Ignite, where right now, like, I don't care about being comfortable. Mm. Um, Lord, just like, use me however you want, Lord. Shape me the way you want to shape me, Lord. And, and also during that time, I was also, there were just different breakthroughs in every mm. aspect of my life. I was like, this is very powerful. And watching another video that um, James, um, I'll... Aladrin. Okay, I'll remember his last name. He was talking about how the the change has to be made in the spiritual realm first oh, yes. mm-hmm. because if we don't have that breakthrough we can try to use our flesh mm-hmm. to do those all those things but there are chains in the spirit and there are just there are bondages in the spirit if we don't if we don't have make movements in the spirit realm first we can't really sure. do things in the physical and and i experienced that during that fast mm. i was like okay this is really powerful mm-hmm. and then then i walked into ignite <laughs> and that's what everyone talked about yes. and it was a, such a powerful confirmation it's like okay so i'm not the only one also you guys recommend me that testimony yes, and yes. this is where everything just like clicked yeah i was like okay we definitely need to talk about this because mm-hmm. i do think i believe that this is a important message to the church especially after hearing James's testimony, I was like, we are not operating in the power and authority that God that God has given For us, sure. and and there's a there's you know we, we'll talk about this um, about the comfort entertainment mm-hmm. how those things right. are are the the devil's strategy to um, kind of like making us spiritually asleep. Yeah, we're yeah, we can be saved. Powerless. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and it's interesting to think about the way that scripture is formatted. So if you look at you, so much of what John's uh, John the Baptist's ministry was, it was a baptism of repentance. And then Jesus was like, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And then you look at Revelations and the last letter, the last, you know, the first couple um chapters of revelation are the letters to the church Mm. and so that's sort of the last thing that scripture says to the church and we all know that that's like the thing you remember right Mm. so the the last thing someone says is the thing that you most uh remember and so it's (laughs) got to be really important and so depending on what version of scripture you're reading you're seeing repent 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 to each one of the churches either five times or seven times depending on the version but it's it's all about like this this begin the 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 message of the Lord of Jesus is repent 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 to the church, not oh. only to the world. See, yeah. he was speaking to Jews. John was speaking to the to the to the Jews. Jesus was speaking to the Jews. The letters are to the churches. It's not just a message to the world to the lost. It's a message to the church that that uh, to repent repent repent. And so that's, uh, for me, is where this journey of consecration began years ago when, you, you know, I, I actually, I had this experience with death. And so I had a, I had given my life to the Lord. We talked about that last time. And then I did this pursuit of loving the Lord well. I wanted to love the Lord well, right? He loves me greatly. And so I was like, Lord, I'm going to love you well. Mm. Teach me how to love you well. And Mm. so I was ordained and I was working secularly. uh, But I had this experience with death where I ended up um, getting COVID and dying of COVID. And uh, the Lord uh, raised me from the dead. He raised me back up. And I had this experience with death and with dying. And when I was dead, I knew um, that I was coming up to meet the Lord. 
I knew I was going to meet the Lord. Came before, I knew I was dead. I was in death. I was, I could see the river. I knew if I crossed the other side of the river, I was going to stay dead. And I understood that I was dead. Mm. And, um, I had a history of respiratory disease, pretty severe asthma. And so I had had a pulmonary failure at the beginning of the year, that year that I got COVID mm. about March. And I spent about 30 days in the hospital and then about a four month recovery. I was on oxygen at home. Wow. It was not good. That's intense. Right. And that was just from a regular uh, asthma oh. exacerbation, asthma episode that yeah. I had regularly. And then about October of that same year, I had just sort of be finished my intense recovery. I ended up getting COVID. Hmm. And I spent 27 days in the hospital hmm. and um, ended up dying of COVID. And when I was in death and I understood that I was dead, I um, knew that I was going to come before the Lord. I knew that that was the next step. It was this anticipation in my spirit. And when I stood there knowing that I was going to come before the Lord, one of the things that I remember is I heard this word um, in my spirit. And the word was like, you are not going to die in that desert. And I remembered that the word that I was hearing was from a testimony, from was from a sermon that I had been watching. Mm. And so we talk about comfort, entertainment, those things, right? Um, at the time, I didn't really watch television in at all, other than sermons. And I spend a lot of time um, getting feeding my spirit yeah with word with god's word right yeah. and with the word yeah. and i and if if i hadn't been if that hadn't happened i wouldn't have had that word in the oh. moment that i was dead and so there was this this That's sermon good. that i was watching on youtube yeah. was ringing in my ear as i was dead and it was like you're not supposed to die in the desert you're not supposed to die in this desert and i began to cry out to the lord and i said lord it's not your if it's not your will for me to die in the desert don't let me die in this desert because in my experience of being in death it looked i was in a desert it looked like the sahara desert yeah. i was in this white sand mm -hmm. and i came to this river yeah. And I knew that if I crossed the river, I was going to stay dead. And I, the light was coming from the other side. I knew the Lord was there. Yeah. I knew life was there. It was amazing yes. to get to see sort of a glimpse into eternity. And it'll change your, it'll changes everything. And so in that moment, I understood that. I said, okay, um, if it's not your will, don't let me die here. And then I began to cry out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, there, look at all of the, your, these purposes. There are all of these purposes on my life, all these words, all these things that you've spoken over me that I'm supposed to do, and I haven't done them. And I don't want to um, be like the parable of the talents and come up short. And right, right. I, I, I don't want that. And I understood in that moment that there were so many things that even though I had given my life to Christ in my head and in my heart, functionally, I hadn't given my life to Christ. 80% wow. of my life I was living for things of the world and mm. for myself, mm. inv involved and engaged in worldly things. Mm. And so I, in that moment, I was said, Lord, you know, there's all these purposes, and I don't want to come up short. I don't want to stand before the throne of grace, before the slain lamb of the of the Lord, and say and can and come up short. 
and look at the lamb that was slain and look at the sacrifice of Jesus and look at everything he went through to purchase my salvation, my redemption, to purchase my road to be empowered and ordained and anointed. You know, we look at the scripture in Mark, and these signs shall follow those that believe. And there was a price paid in the body and blood of Jesus so that I could partake of those signs. And then I was going to walk into the throne room short. Mm. And um, mm. and uh, that was that mm. moment was critical for me. Mm. And then the last thing I remember is saying, Lord, wow. I have made my life, uh, my entire life about you. Everybody knows that I am a Christian. Everybody knows that I love the Lord and I am a pastor and I'm ordained and I do, I've made my whole life. And so, about you. And so I've hidden my name sort of in yours and my identity in your work. And the name of our of our ministry is Center of Healing. Yes. So my that's my my father's is my dad is my parents are our senior pastors. Mm -hmm. And I'm an associate pastor for this ministry called Center of Healing. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be the pastor of Center of Healing that died sick. That died in sickness and died in disease. And so I don't want that. I don't want my son to grow up knowing you as the God that didn't heal his mom or the God that didn't save his mother. Like, I don't want my death to be sort of a stain on your name. Wow. And so wow. if I'm going to die, and this is my time yeah. to die, so be it. And I remember I was so bold because I, I could feel I was like, I was in the spirit. Now, I was I couldn't see the Lord, but I knew I was before him. And I said, I, yeah. I you know, I don't want to die and it bring a stain to your name. If I'm going to die, so be it, but not like this. Mm -hmm. You take me. Don't let COVID take me. If you, if I'm going to die, I've tried to live my life to give you glory. And so I, let my death bring you glory. Let me wow. die in a way that brings you glory, wow. not brings you shame. And so when, and then the Lord, in, the, in that moment, I all I can say is I can describe like death couldn't hold me. It literally ripped, like death ripped around me, threw me out, and then I was back and I'm, and I'm back. And so the Lord uh, really, it stirred me. There was this moment um, that it took me some time to be very transparent. Wow. And this is one of the first times I'm sharing it really, really publicly mm -hmm. um, because I had given my life to the Lord. And I had, I was a, a pastor already. I was ordained, and I was, but I was still so much of my life was still so caught up in the world. And so at that time, I started to uh, hone in on these things that are that are obstacles to our consecration. And this is where I started to understand that that there are really I in my experience and what I know so far, mm -hmm. right, is that there's three main things that are obstacles to consecration. Mm -hmm. And the first one, and it's a beast of a thing, is comfort. Mm -hmm. And comfort is such a hindrance to consecration. Yes. It, and it's so anti-biblical. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that that's controversial. So uh, I'm going to give you a scripture. It's the Bible. <laughs> I'm going to give you a scripture to to please do to support what I'm saying. If you look at Matthew 16:24, he's Jesus speaking to the disciples. Then Jesus says to his disciples, "If anyone desires to come after me, to come after me, let him deny himself." Mm. So let's just that's all we got to say. Right. And so that's that's it. A, that's it. That's like the the 
um, verdict on comfort. And um, the more that I began to understand that there were all of these mechanisms in my life and in the lives of people that I observed that of that were about being comfortable and people have such a hard time being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the the sort of catchphrases of the chosen, like be comfortable, get comfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? And I think it really has resonated with so many people because we are just really very uncomfortable being uncomfortable in the West, specifically in the West. Yes. So uh, I think it's very much our culture. It's very much our, our, um, the, the way that we are brought up. And then we have these ideas that we have a right to be comfortable, that we have these rights, these American rights, you know, these rights that we have to, to life, liberty, and, you know, pursuit of happiness and those sorts of things that when you look at scripture, when you look at the book of Luke, the outside, upside down kingdom of the Lord, uh, we don't have any rights mm-hmm. to pursue our own happiness. Yeah. Carry our cross daily. Um, there's uh, there's so many scriptures right. for those who uh, loses their life for my name's sake exactly. will find it. Deny yourself, Deny. carry your cross, yes. which means you know, and and it says take up your cross and follow me. And so when Jesus took up his cross, where was he walking? Where was he going? To Cal- Calvary. Calvary, yeah. He was walking the Via Dolorosa, yeah. and so in Spanish, Via Dolorosa means the painful, the sorrowful road right and so you look at isaiah 53 and he's the bible says that he was a man um man of sorrows Mm -hmm. deeply acquainted with grief Mm -hmm. and so there's this understanding that we have that's not biblical Mm -hmm. it's this cultural understanding Mm -hmm. that we are to be prosperous in the way that we define prosperity that there that we are to be successful in the way that we define success and so we are the ones that are defi- that are setting the definitions to all of these things and mm-hmm. that's not the biblical definition to any of these things and so that isn't what we're called to be. we're not called to be pro- prosperous we're not in the way that the world defines prosperity that's right where the bible says that the poor in spirit will see god blessed are the poor in blessed spirit. are the poor in spirit for they shall see the lord they shall see god and it says rejoice when these things happen mm-hmm. to you if but you know if you're feeling like you your owed comfort and you're like, Lord, I've gone through so much hardship and, you know, I've gone through all these situations and, and, you know, I'm crushed on every side, pursued, pursued, but is it, um, uh, we're crushed and, and, uh, persecuted, but not destroyed. And, you know, all of those things, right. And you say, Lord, I'm all these things. And the Lord's like, yeah, but take heart because I have overcome the world. During the Bible study, you talked about God's love. And how it looks different than most of our expectations. Oh, for sure. God's love is throwing Daniel to the lions. For sure. For God's sure. love is wrestling with Jacob. Correct. God's love is is pulling Jesus on the cross. Yes. And so we have this idea of again, it's it's our own definition. It's this the serpent. It's the Adam and Eve taking um, d- them defining that the fruit was good to eat. 
Mm-hmm. And so partaking of the food and we we have we have these words like love and justice and success and victory and prosperity. And we define those based on our culture. Mm-hmm. We define those based on what the world says. Really what Satan decides is prosperity. We we and there are, you know, even uh-huh. many ministries and churches that define their success in the same way that um heathens define their success and so by numbers and assistance and how much money they have and that's how artists and entertainers that are tied with the forces of the world define success Mm -hmm. and so and we we have love we say things like love and we don't define love biblically we don't go back to the bible to define love Mm -hmm. right the bible says in isaiah 53 that it was god's intention to hang Jesus on the cross, and he was pleased by it. Mm. And so we, as humans, we don't really know how to love because we are not love. We reward. Mm. So humans reward good behavior. Mm. We reward um, met expectations. We reward um, people that massage our egos and make us feel good, and that's why we stay with them. But the moment that a person stops serving us, in whatever capacity they serve us, you're like, not me. I'm going to set boundaries. I'm going to walk away from my mental health from these rela- from this relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and Jesus is not like that. That's it's not n- transactional at it's all. It's not at all. It's a, it's a covenant. Mm. And so consecration is a covenant mm. that you're going to do Every that you're in covenant, you're going to begin this road of setting yourself apart for the Lord, regardless of how it feels, regardless of what it takes, regardless of what happens. I am tying myself, I'm literally tying my feet to the will of Jesus, regardless of what that looks like. Not only in spite of me, like not in spite of what might happen, but through what might happen. Mm -hmm. And so uh, fully aware that you are going, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost everything. Everything. And it's worth every Every moment. When people get married, there's a vow and the vow is for in sickness and in health. For sure. For for rich or for poor. Mm -hmm. And imagine saying that, it's a covenant with God too, right? Like, doesn't it's not like, oh God, I I am having a relationship with God, so now God will bless my life in right. a, in a way that the world thinks or I right. think Where that is, I a, think is a what blessing. I think is a blessing. Right? It, it's not about like me wanting like the blessings. Well, and it's all it's the about defining blessing. So it's yeah. about saying, okay, we we say things like the Lord blessed me because he gave you a car or because you have money or be- and that's a blessing well so simultaneously is the moment that he throws you into the desert come on and the moment that he allows you to walk into the furnace um the moment that you go into the lion's den yes. where he allows someone to falsely accuse you and he puts you in prison yeah right um those are all the things that are also a blessing mm-hmm. the the moment he disjoints your hip mm-hmm. and, and and so it's so interesting because the, the Bible says that um, Esau, he hated, and Jacob, he loved, but Jacob's the one he injured. Jacob is the one he wrestled. He Jacob, wrestled. And then injured him. He, yeah. he, he injured the joint of his hip. Right. And that's the one he loved. Mm-hmm. He broke him. Mm-hmm. And so we, we don't understand love that isn't 
a love that prevents hardship. Mm. We don't understand a love that doesn't look like sparing me the dying. See, God didn't spare me the dying. He allowed me to die. He resurrected me, which I'm very grateful for. But for a second there, I was like, dang, Lord, you really, you like, you, you, you killed me. Like you, you yeah. didn't spare me the dying it's part. So true. You know, yeah. I, I still had to die That's physically. God's love for you. And that was God's Come love. On. That was yes. his mercy. That is. And there are so many deaths that I've experienced in my life. Deaths of relationship, deaths of, of marriage, deaths of so many deaths that I've experienced in my life. And they were awful and painful and hurtful, but they were such a blessing. And there's that saying that says, blessed is that hardship. Blessed is the storm. Blessed is the death that brings me closer to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because love doesn't look like what we think prosperity is. And love does not, he's not trying to get you comfortable. Like Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you could be very comfortable, so that you could name it and claim it, mm -hmm. so that you could have a big house and a big car. And that might be your calling. Like that might be something that the Lord has ordained for you. And it might not be it might not be that it might your call might be that you don't get to do that right that that's not something that the lord's called you to whatever it is though there is a call that is the same for everybody yes. and that is to be like jesus to look like jesus and god loves you so much that he will stop at nothing he will stop at nothing to make sure you look like jesus to get you to a place where you look like jesus mm -hmm. where we walk like Jesus, where we talk like Jesus, where we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And he, we are being transformed all the time to look more and more and more like the Lord. So and true. so that is the love of God. That is the mercy of the Lord. Yes. That is the grace of God. That is being highly favored uh, among, you know, for the Lord mm -hmm. is to go through whatever it is, stopping at nothing to make you full and in, in operating in the fullness of what Jesus has bought and paid for on the cross. That is the love of Lord, the Lord. And that co directly contradicts our self-serving uh, pain avoidance default that is comfort. Yes. During my encounter, my first encounter with God, when I, I died, right? Mm -hmm. While I was under the presence of, of God's love, I realized in my entire life, because at that point, that was, you know, when I had my encounter with God, I had never read the Bible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I probably have read it, you know, here and there, but I really don't know the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I don't know everything that God showed me is in scripture. But at that time, you know, I was looking back in that moment in my whole life where I worked just so hard and, and I hustled for that version of success that, the world really it's the enemy was feeding me mm -hmm. it means nothing nothing and so when i when i was facing god when i when i was in that presence i was like wow i i i did all those things i worked so hard and deep down i know that that's not that's empty that's a lie and when god showed me that and then when god showed me how his purpose for us where we're, we're here called to do there's life in it mm -hmm. There's life in it. It might not relate to, you know, having a, a car or, or whatever, mm -hmm. but that's not like the the feel fullness of living out our calling, like that fulfillment, it's so beyond anything that the 
you know, the world is trying to tell us what success really is. Right. And also, when it comes to the the comfort aspect, also in the, in another same experience, different vision, where um, I was being tied on the cross by these two demons, mm. and comfort was the thing that made me fall into darkness mm. deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. And because in the Bible, in Ephesians, it talked about we're wrestling not against in flesh and blood, but against principalities and dark, the kingdom of darkness. Right. We're wrestling. Yes. We're wrestling. Like, wake up. We're, we're wrestling with the darkness. Right. We're not, you Well, know, either you're wrestling with it or you're not. Or you're, yeah, or, yes. Or you're giving into it. Yes. So in that vision, I wrestled a little, like I wrestled a little in that vision. I was mm-hmm. being, literally being tied on the cross and, and being tempted by these two demons. It felt real, by the way. Like mm-hmm. it was really happening. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I tried to wrestle and I got tired mm-hmm. and I gave up. Mm-hmm. And I fell into comfort. I remember when I gave up even an inch, the devil would took a mile. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like the, the bondage of my soul gets tighter mm-hmm. and tighter as I give up in comfort. Mm-hmm. And then at that, and there's one point in that vision, I gave up. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, give me all the good food. Like I, I, yeah. I, I asked for Coke. I literally, literally, I remember I asked for Coke. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, this is this just soda drink, right? Yeah. Like, it's like the sugar, like it feels good. Yes. I, I literally asked for Coke and then the, the devil, the enemy is very happy to offer me that. Of course. The enemy, enemy is very happy to see me get comfortable. For sure. And so, and then in that moment, uh, I literally around, like God showed me, so I realized, wow, like it was subtle in the beginning, mm-hmm. but it gets harder for me to break free from it mm-hmm. and harder and then I, I was like literally full on back into my sin and my flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get so used to uh, living this life of like appeasing the flesh. And, and it's important to distinguish that when we t- when I say the flesh, I'm not talking about your body. You know, I'm not talking about punishing your body. I'm talking about your will. Wow. You know, that's there's a difference between a lot of times when we say, oh, it's the flesh and we fast, you're, you're not really fasting because you're just not eating. And so you're punishing your body, but you're not subduing your will. Mm. It's about the will. It's subduing the will. So we fast around the things we want to do. So you're like, oh, well, I have this thing coming up and this thing coming up and this thing coming up. These are like things that I want to go to and, you know, this wedding or that birthday or that party or this event. And so you fast around that. You just fast on the days that you already didn't want to do anything anyway. Mm. So what is it good? Is it doing you to fast on those days when um, you're not give, you're not really giving up your will? Mm at all Mm. so it's just not about it's not about it's not about punishing your body and the flesh is not your body you have to eat you have to drink you have to sleep right Right. it's not about there's a difference between punishing the body and subduing the flesh the flesh is your will wow your desires your feelings it's your mind your heart your will so your thoughts here's what i think and i'm going to um, bring all my own thoughts captive to the will of the Lord. Mm. Here's how I feel, and I'm going to make my heart captive to the will of the Lord. Mm. Here's what I want, and I'm going to make my wants captive to the will of the Lord. It's that Gethsemane moment where Jesus says, Lord, if there's any way that I don't have to do this, that, you know, pass this cup from me, but let not my will, but 
your will mm. be done. That is fasting. Oh. That is the consecration. See, that's the with that that's the comfort piece. Mm -hmm. So let's I want to be I want to clarify that because I think that's important. The yes. other piece is that I'm not talking about going out and looking for suffering. There's a lot of traditions and even Christian traditions, uh different denominations that go out and suffer willingly. Like they go out and and you know hurt their body or um, punish their flesh their, in their body, and they go out and they look for suffering. I'm not talking about going out to look for suffering. I'm talking about a willful brokenness of your will, your internal person, like the person that you are. Mm. And so you come before the Lord and you break your will in order for God's will to be done. Mm. Here's all the things that I want to do, and it doesn't matter if they're good or they're bad or whatever it is. These are things I want. And even if sometimes those things could be quote-unquote good things, but I'm going to willingly forsake everything that I want, everything the world wants from me, everything my family wants me to do. I'm going to forsake all of these things that I want and the world wants from me and my family wants and everybody wants these things. And I'm going to forsake them all, all of these wants to be with the Lord, to pursue the Lord, to set myself apart in consecration. So we did some, we did an exercise, um, uh, me and a friend and one of my sisters that for the month of December, we went into consecration. Well, it's really hard to consecrate in December because there's Christmas cookies and hot cocoa and all of the lights and going to here and, and all of that and the Christmas and all of these things. Well, we force, we, none of that is bad. All of it is good. It's even a, you know, we could say a Christian holiday, the, 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 the only real Christian holiday, right. That we have, uh, other than resurrection Sunday in the, in the West, in the U S but we didn't do any of that because we sequestered ourselves to not do those things, not because they're bad, but because we want something else more. We, yes, we want, we want these things. I want to go do these things and my family wants me to do these things, but I want something more and I want the Lord more than that. And so what does that look like for you? What does that look like for the person watching? What are the wants that you have? And uh, how do we get out of our wants? Right. Um, in order to stop um, stop fulfilling the wants of the flesh, forsake our comfort, forsake um, the comfort of our environment, and so um, and and move into what the Lord the Lord wants. You know, I hear people talk all the time of like, oh, you know, um, you know, our church is far, and they're like, oh, that's very hard for me to drive, you know, and I just I don't understand that. I don't understand that mentality. Like, oh, that's too far for me to drive. And I went to Uganda. You know what I mean? Because the Lord was moving there. Right. The Lord has, you know. I was like. Yeah. That's a 26-hour flight time. And so I don't understand. You know, for me, I, I just, I have a hard time understanding uh, Christians that are so enamored with their own comfort. And they're so used to, you know, their own flesh that um, they can't, they won't forsake their flesh. They won't forsake their comfort. They will not be inconvenienced. Mm. They say they love the Lord and they want to pursue the Lord as long as the Lord comes to them. Mm. So as long as they get to DoorDash Jesus and it's a church right near their house 
and it's very comfortable and convenient and it doesn't mess with their time and it doesn't mess with their football and it doesn't mess with the Super Bowl, like all of those things. And then they plan their church life and activity around all the things they want to do anyway. Right. So here's all the things that I want. And then I fit in church and God in all these places where around my own life so that I'm con- continue to be comfortable. Mm. And so that's what, and, and then we think we're doing a good job. We're like, well, I go to church and I do this and I do that. There's so much more. Yeah, that. there's that, like, th- th- that's the thing, right? And I think that bleeds right into sort of the next big topic, which is entertainment. Come on. So you have this enemy of comfort, and if, if you don't see it, it's like I said, it's a beast of a thing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because it, it's, it'll, it'll kill you. It'll tie you down. Yeah. It's like a serpent. For sure. Mm-hmm. And then you move into this entertainment. Come on. And um, the other, the thing about entertainment that I think is so interesting is that um, it's, it's this, to me, entertainment is a, um, is a distraction that you seek. That to me, that's the definition of entertainment. Mm. It's a distraction that you willfully release yourself into. Mm. You willingly seek out this distraction mm. and you go after the distraction. And that mm. is entertainment. So whatever helps you get distracted, um, it helps you cope and helps you feel better. That is an entertainment thing. And mm. so it's interesting because we're just coming off of the Super Bowl. Yeah, And so, you know, that there's so many people that are like, oh, we can't have a prayer meeting on Sunday evening because that's the Super Bowl. Or we can't, let's not start our fast on Super Bowl Sunday because that's the Super Bowl, right? And so you have these, and, and, and again, sports aren't bad and it's good to exercise the body, but it's these willing, like we go out and we out of our way to allow to look for distraction mm. and the more that i thought about it you know I've, I've i've really really thought about it it's like okay it's distractions that are not creeping up on us entertainment is a coping mechanism that we seek out it's a distraction that we willfully partake in why would we do that and so i've i've like back like really backed into it and there was um uh-huh. there's there's this wonderful quote by Leonard Ravenhill, you know, one of the fathers of the faith, um, where he talks about entertainment and how it's basically like entertainment is the the, the biggest um, uh, obstacle to to the to life, hmm. to the resurrected life, or to life as a Christian. And I I tend to agree. And um, it, it was very interesting because on the Spanish-speaking side, there was a, a very famous evangelist that evangelized pretty much the whole of Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. Mm. And he's, he did a lot of work in Central and South America. And he's a Puerto Rican gentleman. He's passed away. His name was G.J. Avila. And he, great evangelist. And he was very harsh. Um, and, you know, I don't agree with it all his ways. But one of the things that I, I have to admire is that he was, he, he single-handedly evangelized um, most of the Caribbean <laughs> and brought them to Christ. And one of the things he would say is that the TV was like the eye of the devil. He's like, it's an eye. 
and it's the eye of the devil and you have it in your home and it's looking at you and you're looking at the devil in the eye every time you look at the TV. And so I, um, you know, before when I was younger, wow. I was like, oh, man, that's like that's real religious. And the the more that I understand, the more that I tend to agree <laughs> with that. Right. Netflix is like the eye of the devil. And you're like looking at the devil like you're looking eye to eye because because we're, dis we're distracted from entertainment we're not doing god's will for our life we're just we're kind of useless for the kingdom well it, it, <laughs> i think entertainment is more than than just rendering us useless i think entertainment Ooh, i think entertainment <clears throat> is more about <clears throat> like skirting our accountability <clears throat> so we want to be distracted that's entertainment. Why? Right, right. Well, I think it's because we have this responsibility as Christians to own the condition of the people that live around us, to own the condition of the city, to own the condition of the community. It's very easy to sit back and say, oh, my gosh, Biden's doing a terrible job and look at the politics and, you know, um, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, all of those things. And but if you're a Christian, it's that's your fault. You're accountable before God. So the condition of the world is directly reflected in the condition of the church. Mm -hmm. The Bible says these signs shall follow those that believe. Mm -hmm. And so where are the signs that are following you? You know, and, and people are like, oh, my gosh, there's like this drug addict problem in Tucson. Right. And we have all of these drug addicted people on every corner. That's true. We do. Right. So we, we are accountable for that. Mm. So how do you live your life? How are you? Um, what are you doing mm. in order to seek the Lord to have what you need to have? in order to go and deliver those people. Like you don't get to complain about the condition of the city or the people or the world. You can't make a comment on that um, without being accountable. You, we, we are accountable to God for the condition of the city. We are accountable to God and to the people. So yes, there's there's a whole city of people that are lost. There's a whole city of people that are drug addicted. There, yes. So we, if we are accountable for that, and so entertainment helps us not feel the weight of that accountability. Mm -hmm. And I I got um, a wonderful opportunity to spend um, some time in Phoenix a few months back. And Francis Chan came to speak to the leaders. There was about 60, 60 cities represented at this event that the Luis Palau organization put on. And there was city leaders for, from about 60 cities, like I said. And we were in Phoenix and several of us from Tucson. And Francis Chan talked so profoundly about like why we want to be distracted. And he talked so profoundly about you know, our Christian distractions, which are things like, you know, like Candy Crush. Because <laughs> he, he admitted to, to like his own... Games. Yeah, to his own vice of Candy Crush and those things, right? But we, the more that I've thought about and the more that I've looked at it and the more that I, that I talk to people and I spend time is that, um, that 
we entertainment is a, is a distraction we surrender to because it's easier to be numbed by the distraction than it is to live with your eyes wide open looking at the lostness of the city, looking at the sickness of the city, looking at what's happening. You know, everyone went and watched that movie Sound of Freedom and you know what's happening with children being trafficked. We know what's happening at the border. We know what's happened with the gender ideology. We know what's happening at the university. We know all of these things, right? And so it's it's hard. It's hard to drive up and down this city and see people that are literally rotting to death in every other corner. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to have the answer. You're supposed to have the answer. I'm supposed to have the answer. We have the answer. Meanwhile, we as a body of Christ going home to watch a TV and play video games. Correct. Mm-hmm. But we go home to watch Netflix and and to watch, um, you know, the U of A game. Mm-hmm. Um, while people are rotting to death at the very corner of the game that you're going to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, when we are Christians, mm-hmm. how? I don't understand that. And I know that's hard. And I know that, that, that it's offensive. But the gospel is offensive. And the cross is offensive. And it's supposed to offend. And it's supposed to hurt. Mm-hmm. And it's not supposed to feel good. Um, and but there's life. And, and, and that's the whole point, is that we can't be comfortable and we can't be entertained while the condition of the city is the way that it is. And so instead of consecrating, setting ourselves apart, uh, going into fasting and prayer in a pursuit of God wholeheartedly so He can anoint us and fill us and empower yes. us so we yes. can go out Come and on. not offer a person a word. We just don't, we don't go to them and just be like, Hey, the Lord loves you, man, but that we can More literally touch them and then to be healed instantly from their desire to do drugs where like the Lord he instantly heals them where we can handle serpents and handle That's that's right. Put our lay our hands on the sick and they be healed. Where we be can delivered. cast out yes. devils that we are not putting them through programs that help them with their mental health, which are all good. But all good. where's the power? Like where is the moment? Like that? Where's the power of the church? We don't have any because, and that's why we want to be entertained because we'd like to stay comfortable, and but we don't want to face the accountability of our life of comfort. And so now, on top of being comfortable, we have to seek out entertainment because then the burden is too heavy. It's the load is too much because you're responsible and I'm responsible. And so we like to blame things like the president or the pharmaceutical companies and all of these things. And like, oh, the prices of diabetes medication is really high. Well, where's the church that heals people from diabetes? Where's the church that can cast out the devil of depression and anxiety? So where where's the church here, right? And so we have these, we've, we've built all these mechanisms in our lives so we can stay in the comfort. So now we need entertainment. And so we are doing all of these things so that we can continue to live our lives. We can pat ourselves on the back because we're good churchgoers and we're Christians and we learn, we can say like, oh, there's no shame. There's no more shame. There's no more guilt and you're empowered, but people really aren't empowered. 
and and, and they're, they are living in shame and they are living in guilt and they are living in, in anxiety and they are living in depression and they are living in sickness and people go to church week after week after week after week after week after week after week and are not changed or transformed nothing's happening they live the same life they issue they battle with the same vices they're praying for the same exact things and then we as leaders I'm a pastor so I'm I'm fully responsible. So we say things like, well, they didn't have enough faith or they didn't do this or they need to go into a program. And then we blame the people for not being delivered. And then we blame God. We're like, what's well, because the Lord, it wasn't his timing yet. And we we put all this responsibility on everything and everybody else. And we never look internally to say, okay, God, what's it going to take? What is it going to take? for you to anoint me? What is it going to take for me to have the power to cast out the devil of depression, to cast out the devil of fentanyl addiction? What's it going to take for our city to be delivered by the darkness and the forces and the powers that move trafficking in our city? Like, what's it going to take for this procession of death, the altar of death that happens every year with the procession of death and the day of the dead and, and the all souls? What's it going to take to break the altar of death over the city of Tucson? What's it going to take, Lord? And I will give you no rest. I won't rest and I will give you no rest until you anoint me, until you use me, until you empower me, until you give me something. And so that's been the journey of consecration that I've been on. And so, and I'm not trying to be better. I'm not, which is why I need the consecration. And, and, uh, but I, I feel like that's, that's where we it, need to move that's to. That's what it takes. Correct. Consecration. To decrease so God can increase. To, and it, yes. 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 And so we, 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 we make all these doctrines and theologies about faith and timing and all of that stuff instead of looking inward to be like, okay, I prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. <laughs> Why, Lord? What happened? And then what's it going to take for me to carry the authority? To, to remove the serpent, to handle the serpents of sickness and dementia and diabetes and cancer and all those things. Because I'm telling you right now, Alex, those things happen outside of the West. They have been here too. But those those are commonplace things in the church outside of the West. Like having that power and authority. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a common Christian. Mm. Just a church-going Christian. Mm. Because they have no alternative. Mm. And so they, they move and they heal people. Like those signs really are the things that they believe. Mm. And because they believe, the signs follow them. And, and they literally operate in miracle signs and wonders and all of those things. Yeah. And they don't build theology around why it didn't happen or doctrine around why it didn't happen or blame the people. The people are not the problem because they're sick, right? And God's not the problem because he's mighty. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the healer. Vessel. So who's the problem? I'm the problem, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There's something in me. And so I have to take responsibility for that. I have to own it. I have to take ownership of that and say, okay, Lord, what's it going to take for this person that's sick in my congregation to get healed? 
What do I do on their behalf? How do I intercede? What's the price of consecration yes. that it it's going to require? It reminds me of Catherine Coleman's sermon on the price of anointing. And the price of the anointing. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes. Yeah. What's the price? And so we have all of these things, right? We have all these people that are prophetic, which is great. I believe I'm, I'm, I grew up Assemblies of God, so I'm Pentecostal and charismatic, you know, charismatic. I come from the denomination where um, the term holy roller came from. So very much Pentecostal in that way. So I believe in the move of God and I've seen it in other countries and I've been able to move in it and we've been able to move it uh, in it here too somewhat. Um, but one of the things that's so important is that um, we don't see like a big release of that because we're entertained and we're comfortable because we don't take ownership and we don't own that and we don't we don't intercede and we don't pay the price in consecration and so we are not um we're not laying our lives down in order for others to be healed and to be saved and to be delivered Mm -hmm. we are searching we're seeking the lord for ourselves for our own breakthrough um we want prophetic words that are things like the lord is going to use you mighty and the lord is going to give you this and the lord's going to do all these things with you and those are all beautiful things and i believe in that but but i said something on friday i said so where are the prophets that are like okay here's the price of consecration So you get a prophetic word, right? Someone gave you a word that here's what the Lord has for you. You're anointed for this or you were put on the earth to do that. So now what's the price of consecration? What is the price I pay? What is it going to take for that to be actualized in my life? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of prophetic people that say a lot of things, but very few prophetic people that are calling on the church to say, okay, you're going to have to set yourself apart. You're going to have to walk a year of fasting. You're going to have to walk a year of prayer. You're going to have to walk a year of this. So we gather to pray um, every day. You know, at the, we pray at the night watches. We pray overnights. Um, we, we pray at the, the, the last hour and the first hour to end every month and begin every month. Um, you know, where are those prophets? Where yes. are those prophetic people? Yes. Right, and and so uh, that's the desire of of my heart. I think is to is to raise a a people, and I think that's where ignite really has helped us. Is yes. is to is to pull together um, a group of people yes. that are seeking the Lord, that are setting their lives apart, yeah. that are willing to give themselves up yeah. on a Friday night instead of being out with your friends and hanging out and playing video games or whatever, or going out to a restaurant or or. Or, or whatnot, but gathering in a place for prayer, for worship, for consecration, mm-hmm. for teaching of the word, for seeking the face of the Lord mm-hmm. on behalf of our city and on behalf of our generation. Yeah. And so that's what our Bible study is about. But that's really my heart. So if you asked me, Jasmine, like what's the 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 sermon of of your of your ministry or your life, it's that the sermon of dying. It's the sermon of dying to self. It's that the the, the 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 you know giving up your life so you can have it amen, and so you have amen. these these things right there's comfort and then in order to keep your comfort now you have to have entertainment and all of those things all of those two things really work together because and, and the enemy will let you have them because yes. then your life becomes 
what I like to call functionally atheistic. And so we have mm. a bunch of Christians that believe with their hearts and confess it with their mouths, but and they're saved, you know, according to scripture, but they're functionally atheist. And so they function like atheists mm. or deists, where mm. it's all about people. Mm. It's all about them. And it's all about people, and it's not about God. There's a functional atheism in the church, and and we uh, as a church. And I'm telling you because I used to have this mentality um, that I I would go out on mission, you know, overseas or in yeah. Central South America where I've been on mission, and um, I would uh, be there and expect certain things because you know, by the, just from the nature of being somewhere else. And then I would come home and I was right. be very frustrated about being home. But then I was like, oh, that's just the way it is. And so then I, it almost became like this respite um, to be home until the Lord's really started to convict me around that of, you know, why doesn't, why doesn't the things that happen elsewhere happen here? Mm. And I began to mm. examine my own life and realized that although I was a minister and was ordained and was operating as a pastor, really about 60% of my life, I was living for things of the world, using worldly strategy, using worldly technique, using worldly <laughs> focuses. And so we are yes. not spirit-centric. We are still functionally atheistic. We put programs in place, we do all these planning and programming and strategizing mm. and tactics. Mm -hmm. And then later we pray, Lord bless those things. But we don't get into prayer and fasting first so that God gives us the strategy. Mm. Right. What is God trying to do? Right. And so let him like it's not by power, by might, it has to be by the spirit. And so That's if right. we are Christians, we have to live in the spirit first. Yes. And then in the natural. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to kind of what you were talking about in um, the testimony about um, prayer and the type of prayer that you do and the fasting that starves the strong man and what it means to do that and breaking the cycles of things that were partnered with in the, you know, it says Galatians of the cause, the powers of darkness, you know, in the, in the air and the cosmic powers. And so we have to have a reality that we are in a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. This is a spiritual battle. And we have to start and end in the spirit. And if we fight our fights, spiritually those we have to fight our fights spiritually first we have to have a spiritual win first yes. before we could have a natural one yeah. but we're focused so much on the natural things like doing all of these things right and um in our own flesh we're operating on our own strength and that's why you have so many ministers and people even christians regular christians that are struggling with burnout and those sorts of things because stuck, feeling stuck yeah because we're operating in our flesh we're doing god's work in our own flesh instead of partnering with the holy spirit mm-hmm can you tell just a little bit about your conversation uh, with James and how about how when they launched the testimony, how it's like having a hard time to really 
launched testimony yeah. books. I think that's a perfect example, right? For sure. I yeah. think that's a, a beautiful example. So I'm in contact with one of the gentlemen that's on James Aladrin's team, uh, you know, that is is with Prayer Storm. And so we were having a conversation about um, their timing of the release for the James Kowalia testimony and the book, his book um, that he that he about his testimony on Amazon, and so they filmed it in the summer mm-hmm. of last year, and it wasn't until the end of October that they were able to publish it to release it. Mm-hmm. And they, he was talking to me. One of the members of his team was having conversation, and um, he was telling me that they struggled to publish it. They struggled to be able to get the book on Amazon. Like it, it said it was loaded and that they were going to publish it and then nobody could ever find it. And it just right. kept getting lost. It get, get, kept getting taken down. Yeah. Same with the release of the testimony. It was just a lot of situation. And finally, James Aladrin, the interviewer, said, you know what, we are going to get together and we're going to into a time of consecration, we're going to fight this fight in the spirit. We're not going to fight Amazon. We're not going to fight with YouTube, right? We're going to fight in the spirit. And so he gathered his team um, and he set apart time and they gathered to pray. So they set apart three weeks and then three days a week for three weeks and then about six to nine hours. I can't remember. He said six or nine hours a day per day. And so they imagine they would, yeah, they would come in at like eight or nine in the morning and then leave at like six or seven o'clock at night. And they, it was a group of them, like six or seven of them or 10 of them, depending on the week. And so they would come together in a room and they would pray for six to nine hours a day, every day. And so if it was like, if, if it had been, for example, let's say there was seven people that committed to do the first week, the three days for the first week, it was all seven of them in there praying six to nine hours every day for three days straight. So they like took off work, I imagine. They they sacrificed, yeah, Yeah. everything in order to spend all of that time in prayer and fasting together. And then the second week, another group came and maybe some from the same, but you know, and then the third week. After those three weeks, as soon as those three weeks concluded and they were able to do that, that's when the testimony was able to be published. That's when the book was published on Amazon. That's when the whole thing. And look at look at the like it went viral. There is, I mean, there is a move of God happening. I was just in move. Uganda, mm-hmm. so I, I I was there for um, at James, Pastor uh, Intercessor James Kowalia's church. We spent ten days there during their consecration camp to begin the year, and I'm telling you, there were people there from all over the world, from all over the world. And there is a move of God. There's something being stirred. It it is. It was the perfect timing. But the testimony was already uh, recorded. It Mm -hmm. had been taped. Everything was in place. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until they fought their fight in the spirit that they were able to see it come to pass in the natural. And so we're doing all these strategies, all this planning. And trust me, um, I did, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but in corporate America, which I was a part of for 17 years, wow. um, there is a um, this a technique, a managing technique, and it's to manage to people's strengths. And there's the, uh, we use yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the strengths finder. finder. Yep. yep. And so my number one strength is strategy. 
I am a strategist. Like that is my top strength. So to operate outside of that is not easy for me. Mm. It is a, it, I'm going against my own fleshly nature yeah. <laughs> to surrender strategy. Yeah. And I'm solution driven. I'm strategic. Um, that's my personality and my strengths. And th there's a time and a place there, for that. There is, absolutely. Right, for sure. But the, the, I have had to understand that it's the spiritual strategy, not the natural strategy, the human strategy that I can come up with, but it's the spiritual strategy that I get from spending time with Jesus, that I get from being in the Word, yeah. that I get from being in fasting where my my where my flesh, my desires, my, my flesh gets gets um weakened and so it's not as loud and it's not having there's not as de many demands from my flesh right yeah. from what i want and all these things right my heart gets quiet my mind gets stilled my body is coming to submission uh from fasting and all those things and there's this there's this place of stillness right um, where I could come before the Lord. And he, then he begins, then I go into the word, then I go into prayer, and then I begin to really hear and understand, you know, the author of the word. And as I'm in the word, understand it for as a strategic book, understand it like the concepts there, the strategy behind it, and then really understand um what's going on at a deeper level. Obviously, I've I've got a long ways to go in that in that regard, but I, I think that's sort of the beginning of the path yeah. um, to that. Amen. So for those of you uh, don't know what the testimony we're talking about, I'll, def I'll link it in the show notes. It's a three hour long testimony, yes. but it's worth it. It's Absolutely. so powerful. And it went viral. Like it has a probably a, almost 10 million views now yeah. and it only released a few months ago. Right. Like that's just, that's amazing. It is. And, and my heart for like our conversation and for our city is I want to, through this conversation and through his testimony and through, you know, um, our Ignite Bible study and our prayers to inspire other believers to move in the spirit. Yes. And because I really believe that God is doing something amazing in Tucson, like something amazing in Tucson. And I'm, I'm excited to be a witness of that. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm excited to contribute to sacrifice my flesh and myself and my desires to live for the Lord. For sure. Yeah. Imagine what our city would be like if every single person that professed to be a Christian operated in the fullness of, of the spirit, what would happen to our city? What would our community look like if every single Christian in the city of Tucson embraced the journey to consecration, if they would forsake their comfort, if they would turn off their entertainment, if they would feel deeply the pain of the city, if we would just sit and hear in the spirit, in our hearts, the cry of the city to be healed, to be delivered, to be set free, to be saved. If we just could hear that, if we could turn off our TVs and our things, our games and the things that distract us long enough to sit and hear the way that the city cries out, 
for deliverance, the way the city cries for healing. If, if we could hear the brokenness of the people in the city, and then if we could just hear the cry of the heart of Jesus that he so longs to deliver and to heal and to set free, and that he's just yearning to, to heal people, to do exactly what he did when he walked the earth, which was to heal and deliver and to set free. And he wants to do that. And the people want it. And so there's a cry in the heart of the city for that. And there's a cry in the heart of Jesus for that. And if we just understood that we, we have the responsibility, we are accountable for that. Mm. And if we could just hear that and we could forsake everything else, if we could forsake our entertainment and our comfort long enough, long enough to hear that it would change us forever it would change everything forever and then we would be able to partake of the not only the the dying part the cross but now the, the resurrected glory. life now the glory and that we would be able to carry you know the glory of the lord and the presence of god into these dark spaces yes and and you know it's not a work it's not something that i could do on my own or you can do, or any one person i have this heart this 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 fire inside my belly to see every single Christian, everybody in the city, every single Christian move and operate in the fullness of their spiritual gifting, in the fullness of the spiritual anointing, in the fullness, in the full measure of, of what the Lord has ordained for each one of the of each one of us. If we could, we would, we would shake our city would be transformed. Yep. We would shake the nations. Yes, we would. We would shake the nations. We would shape this generation. Mm -hmm. We would make such an imprint on the earth that we, it will be felt for generations to come. Our grandchildren would be talking about what happened mm -hmm. if we could just embrace this walk to consecration. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's such a fight. That's why it's such a battle. That's why the enemy is throwing thousands and billions of dollars at comfort and entertainment. Uh, yeah, everything. Everything he yeah. has mm -hmm. to our comfort and our entertainment mm -hmm. so that we don't hear the cry in the city, so that we don't hear the cry in the heart of Jesus mm -hmm. for the lostness and the sickness you know, in the bondage of the city. No more. But we've got to get stirred up. Yep. I believe that there are people, there are voices, that there are voices that God is raising, a clarion call. There's a, a, the Joe's, like John the Baptist, there's Jeremiah's, there's voices that the Lord is raising up mm -hmm. in this generation, in this city, in this time yes. to to challenge us yes. to walk the road of consecration. See, there is no other path. This is the ancient path. The narrow path. The narrow, there is no other way. Mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. is no other way. There's no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. There, God, there is, God's not changing the rules for this generation, for the millennials or Gen Zs or Gen Alphas. We have the same rules, the same like, I pray that God would give us the faith of our fathers, of the fathers of the faith, that he would give us the faith and the courage that the, the church of the book of Acts had, 
that the early church had to live a life of martyrdom and persecution, you know, that they, they, they died. It literally, they paid in blood and body for this gospel that we have today. Mm, for the revival of the whole ends of the earth. Correct. Yeah. And so God, would he, would you give us the faith of our fathers? Would you allow us, Lord, to live lives worthy of this calling that we've received, yes. of this wonderful gospel that's been passed down where men and women have given everything to pass down the gospel to us in this precious, precious gospel that we have, the message of Jesus. Generations, you know, thousands. Hundreds of men and yeah. women have paid to, for us to have what we have. There has been no generation of Christians that has all the knowledge that we have. We have this cumulative knowledge. We stand on the shoulders of men and women that came before us that lived lives in consecration. Mm -hmm. And God, that he would pull us out of the stupor of comfort, that he would lift the fog of entertainment, that the Lord would shake us and Stir us that God, that the hand of God would come down on us and, and cause us to wake up, that we might move and operate in the fullness of what he paid for us to have. Amen. God, what would that be like? I yearn, my soul and my my heart yearns for that. Me too. I, I, I've prayed to the Lord. I say, Lord... I will give you no rest until you do it. <laughs> What's it going to take, Lord? And so I, th I believe that there's a gen there are people, there's a remnant, and there are people of all ages. Yes. It's not only the millennials or, millennials. you know, the, the Gen Zs or whatever. And, and people I, are 70, 80 years right, old has that absolutely. fire. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Which is why they're still on the earth. There's a remnant, there's a there's a people that have been crying out to the Lord for, for their whole life. Correct. Mm -hmm. And and I think that we just that the Lord is starting to gather us. Yes. And God is doing something mighty in in his in and and God's going to begin to separate. He'll begin to separate that the the path is narrow and i believe that as people begin to walk the road of consecration so as people um as as you that's listening right i'm going to talk to the people yes, if, as you that are listening as you make the decision um to to give your life in on the road to consecration right um that you will the lord will move you into a place where like-minded uh people have a, a, a common uh pursuit of god yes and that lord's going to begin to to bring and gather people together and mm -hmm. and then there there's this the the fruit of your consecration will begin to be manifest and so people will begin to see fruit of of your consecration, people will be see begin to see evidence of the time that you've spent up the mountain before the Lord. Yeah, your face will shine, mm -hmm. and as they see that, mm -hmm. it'll be your life will be an open invitation 
for the rest of the people, the rest of your church community to also gather into that walk of consecration. And so I believe that as the fruit of our consecration begins to be manifest, it'll be an invitation for others to join in. And so that's my prayer. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about information of your church for those who are interested and sure. if you'd like to share also. Absolutely. Yeah. So we meet, um, we meet every other Friday. And this is Ignite. Ignite. Okay, so yeah. we have a Bible study. Um, we meet every other Friday. And if you want more information, you're welcome to go to our Facebook page. And so we have Ignite Bible Study here in Tucson, Arizona. And it's just a group of people that are on fire for the Lord and mm-hmm. uh, that are, um, you know, if you, I just want to, if you feel a call to burn with those that burn come come see us um mm-hmm. and so we meet kind of central um all the information I'll, I'll send you the link so you could um yeah put it um in the, sh- in in the, the show, show notes. notes and then we um so my parents are senior uh leaders of uh center of healing church we are a fully bilingual church so we are 100 bilingual we meet um sunday mornings at 10 a.m and then thursday nights for bible study okay. at 7 p.m so sundays and thursdays and um you know the lord is stirring something we we um and i know that uh we've been crying out for revival for for so long but we are seeing revival and, and god it, it in where we are and in that the the community that the lord has sent us to and we feel such a calling to be uh, right where we are and so we our church is right behind raytheon so um what mm. quite south mm. of the city and so we are the keepers of the southern gate and uh we believe god has sent us there mm. and um and we know that there's like a stirring happening um, in that part of our community so mm. uh welcome anybody to come and and spend some time in worship and prayer with us it's amazing guys i was just there last sunday (laughs) (laughs) it was wonderful (laughs) it was was awesome yes yeah thank you so much yasmin is there any last thoughts anything else you like to the audience um what i would like to say is that if if you feel like if there's if i i would like to extend an open invitation to people Mm -hmm. that if you you you're like man some of this spoke to me and i feel this burning um, that don't let it die. Don't quench it. Don't silence it. I want to tell you from somebody that's been walking a life of consecration for over 13 years, and it's cost me everything, and I would do it a thousand times. I would do it a thousand times again. I would pay every price. I would do it all over again. There, there's nothing better that I like I want to speak to a generation that gets offered so many things you're being offered so much comfort and so much entertainment and there's so many fun things out there but I just if I could tell you one thing from a big sister I feel like I have a big sister anointing and someone that's been in the world and I've and and lived in in that lifestyle of the world and lived for myself for a long time that I would give it up a thousand times to have a moment to like have access to the presence of the Almighty. There's nothing better. There's absolutely nothing better than to be able to call on the name of Jesus and for him to come Mm -hmm. every time. 
You call on the name of Jesus mm. and he shows up every single time. You get to move. You like you move the heart of the almighty God. The 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 ear of the God of the universe is attuned, inclined to the the cry of your heart. He recognizes your voice and he responds like the God of the universe responds to you. There's nothing that can compare to that. Nothing compares to that. So don't quiet that burning. Don't, don't get distracted by the things like if God is calling you into this consider yourself honored and pursue it and if you need help if you have questions we are here for you we are here there's you're not alone and I know that there's so many people that have been on this path and they feel alone mm. because the community that they're in is is not there that was me last year yes and yeah. so you're not alone. No, we're not. You're not. There are many of us that yes. burn, yeah. you know, for for burn with love for the Lord. And so find community, find people that are going to be uh, around you that are going to help you stoke the flame right. and not put you out. Mm -hmm. Find people that are going to lift you up and build you up, and um, instead of snuff you out. And mm. so that's what I would, um, you, you know, want to tell the people that are. Listening listening you're not alone there's there's there are so many more of us Amen. in the caves <laughs> yes seven thousand <laughs> yes seven thousand in the caves man Amen. thank you so much of jasmine of course thank you yeah. thank Thanks, you guys Alex. for listening and uh we'll see you in the next episode